Hey community, in today's episode, Matt McCoy is joined by songwriter Jared Anderson. They talk about how to improve as a worship songwriter. So whether you've been writing songs for years and you don't know what to do with them, or whether you're just starting to consider writing songs but you don't know where to start, we hope this interview is helpful. Enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to today's edition of Loop Live. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the host of the Loop Live show and the founder of loopcommunity.com. And today I've got a great interview and conversation that we're doing live with my friend, Jared Anderson. Jared is an incredible worship leader, great anointed, gifted songwriter. He's written songs like Great I Am, Lord I'm Amazed, Rescue, on and on and on and on. Many, many amazing songs. Love his heart for leading worship and writing music and getting songwriters into a space where they feel comfortable and just inspiring creativity and songwriting amongst worship leaders. So we're gonna talk about how to improve as a worship songwriter. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So here's my friend, Jared Anderson. Jared, what's up my friend? Man, good to see you, man. It's been a while. Yeah. I wanna talk today about worship songwriting. Something that you know a little bit about. How long have you been writing worship songs? Uh, so I was 15, I guess, so like 25 years. Wow. I should know things. Yeah, you should know some I'm things I'm the expert here. now. <laughs> so what, if a worship leader is wanting to start writing worship songs, Mm-hmm. What do you? Where do you think the best place is to start? Um, I think in. I'll, I'm going to call it the prayer room. Um, but that's not always a room. Um, I think it's a space where. Um, I would almost describe it next to, you know, when you're like half asleep and half awake mm-hmm. and there's kind of a, a thinness to the, to the difference. It's on that board. It's on the border where your heart is here or whether it's in another place, like, like in God or in deep conversation, like where you're, you're fully surrendered. That, that fully surrendered place is where where the life is. You, you talk about like going outside for that golden hour uh, for a photograph in the morning or the night because the sun isn't direct and it's it's that place that that's where the inspiration dwells. Yeah. So for the 15 years you've been writing songs, how have you seen yourself grow as a songwriter? Um, I think you get more picky about which rabbits to chase. Um, You get more clarity on um, what your heart is really aching for and you get more language 
Hmm. around what's true and what's fluff. Right. Maybe like get a little bit more real. Yeah. Or what's just kind of candy. Yeah. Right. What's nutrition. Yeah. You've got, you know, one of these things that you've, you're really passionate about is something called co-write community, which is kind of where you and I started getting really a lot more connected. And Mm -hmm. I've attended one of these events. It's basically a co-write week. I can't remember if it happens over a weekend or just, it's a couple days Mm -hmm. up in the mountains in Colorado at a retreat center. I went to it two years ago and it was very, very refreshing. And, you know, you're with... I don't know, 50 songwriters who are all just like, you know, they're not rock stars. There were a few songwriter rock stars there, but everybody's just there. That, that Like, it's kind of a level playing ground, like playing field, right? Like, it's everyone who's just worship leaders who just love songwriting, and they want to be able to explore that gift and do it in a safe space. Talk to me a little bit about co-writing and why you think it's special and important. Um, I think what very often our human heart is longing for is like a witness, someone to see both the heaven and hell that we're enduring. And in collaborative writing, it takes that sense of witness to an idea or thought or a piece of inspiration that you think has potential. Um, to be the level playing field is to admit that we're all risking something, that this could go incredibly poorly or incredibly brilliantly and no one knows. So that unknown is where the hope lives. Like hope only lives in the unknown. So that's that's what kind of fuels the gathering is that we could come together and discover something we've never known before Mm -hmm. yeah i loved that at those events people just seem to come alive like when they were writing you know there's there's like this electricity that happens like when you're in this writing room happening and then like you finish a song and everybody comes out of the room and everyone's really excited about what they've come up with and at the end of the event there's like a showcase where people yeah. can get up and actually play the songs and i remember yeah. just everyone just like cheering singing along like it was just a party right and it didn't matter how amazing the song was or how I don't know, for lack of a better word, like amateur a song was. It didn't matter. It was a song, and everyone was just celebrating that. Do you think that co-writing helps someone become a better writer? Like if a worship leader is a songwriter currently, and they're writing songs on their own, I know sometimes people feel uncomfortable writing with other worship leaders. Like, It's totally scary. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's, for me personally, it was a big leap I got comfortable writing songs on my own and um, it, it's like therapy and I highly recommend it. Um, hmm. the, the jump from 
I'm up late at night and I can't sleep and so I'm going to work on a song um, or I've got this idea and I love getting away at a park or in, in a quiet space or in the church building when no one's there. There, There is an invigorating part to that. It's just like wild and free. And going from that space to, hey, Matt, you and I should get together on Tuesday at 10 a.m. and write a song. There's a lot of space in between <laughs> those two um, settings. And so the retreat kind of acts as like a buffer zone to welcome you out of the alone wild and freeness into the context of relationship and the present timeliness of we're going to do this for the next four hours and give it a shot. Um, holding people's hands on that pathway, I know I needed it. And uh, so it's a privilege to, to get to welcome people, to not leave them high and dry there is an element of banging your head against the wall that comes with the territory of chasing that one line that just isn't quite right yet and mm. um searching for the miracle that might be so one quick side question on that have you done any sort of like virtual songwriting sure is it yeah good is it way harder like it's really hard to meet people to write with someone that you've never been in a room with mm -hmm. and to connect um, something about it doesn't translate well in my experience or it can just be it, it adds another layer of difficulty in yeah because the is there a is there a delay the delay and then just the there's some, there's a huge thing about your the presence of your body that communicates that um, that reveals like it that helps actually in the process and puts our feet a little more on the floor that mm -hmm. keeps us more grounded in um, in the search um, but with people that you have more relationship with, it can be really, really efficient. And I've, um, I've written like over voice memo, honestly, um, with friends like, hey, I need a song for this project that says this, this, and this. Um, Here's the kind of vibe I'm thinking. Here's what I'm seeing. Um, and here's the one line of a melody that I have. Mm -hmm. And then this girl like sends me a voice memo back of this verse idea. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I switch one line at the end of it and I do the chorus and then we just keep ping pong back ideas until we land on kind of the lyric structure. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's like dating over text. I don't know. <laughs>
Yeah. It's, it's fa- fabulous. <laughs> How many songs are you working on at one time? Like, do you try to just like write a song, finish it, close it, move on to the next one? Or do you have like 10 songs happening all at the same time? No, I probably have three or four that are in motion. Yeah. Um, some of them give me a run. <laughs> um, yeah, patience. And then um, other ones you spit out. One, I just, I wrote one for a sermon series at our church and I got chicken and I just didn't play it. Yeah. <laughs> So, How do you decide when it's I don't know done. that you ever graduate from that. Like, yeah, I used to like ride them in the morning and lead them at night. You know, um, with that kind of like adventure spirit. And yeah. now I'm a little bit more gun shy. Yeah. In my do you think that's face. because you feel like people expect? Like, do you feel the pressure of like, oh, this is the guy who wrote "Great I Am," so the next song has to be another "Great I Am." Like, is there um, weird pressure that you feel on that? No. Because it's really good to disappoint people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I, I think, I, I truly think as artists, we're like, I mean, I have a, a high belief that art is prophetic and that, um, that we're prophesying we're we're praying on behalf of people who can't pray for themselves and so i mean if i really believe that i should grab the song and, and play and it go and do it, it honestly yeah mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm preaching to myself a bit how do you yeah. know when a song is done like you close the book on it and be like this is it yeah that's a great question um I think when I think you know when uh, when you've tried it and it feels right, and then you know in the presence of other people whether it's done or not. Um, yeah, you very often need. I think especially in a worship song, worship is just a category of its own because it's meant to be shared and congregational. It's meant to be sung by someone other than the artist. And um, it's um, and not just sung along with, but like replicated. Like in a worship song, you're hoping that if I lead it, you will take it and you will lead it. Like that's, mm-hmm. we don't have that in, you know. Yeah. Um, in pop music. They're like, we're not expecting you to go and play this. Um, so, yeah, there's I've just a that. high value in the transferability of of songs. So, yeah, I, I would venture to say though that most most of our writing needs trimming, not like, oh, that doesn't feel done yet. Mm-hmm. It probably mostly needs like cutting back, yeah, because to be bare and essential feels scary. Yeah. That is probably what we need most. I had an experience, even just yesterday, I was working on a song and for the bridge, the bridge really only needs, like, 
I think it only needs about four lines, mm -hmm. basically. But I just wasn't getting the lines I wanted, so I ended up writing like 10 lines. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, well, I gotta trim it back, but I can't, how do you decide like which ones to keep? Sure. Which ones just to toss out? Because they all work. Right. But some are better than others, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, am I gonna do here like this like eight or 16 line bridge? Mm -hmm. Like a so will I kind of thing? Or do I really need so to trim them back, you know, yeah. to these four lines? And I think what I've kind of had a trouble with is that maybe I go into something like, I'm gonna write a worship song that worship leaders could sing. And so I come up with a chorus that's like, oh yeah, this is a great worship song. Mm -hmm. But as I start writing it, Maybe I'm like just being more honest or something. And some of the lyrics I'm writing, I'm like, ooh, that's pretty honest. I don't know if churches are actually going to sing that. You know, now it's become a devotional song. It's not really a congregational worship song. Mm. Mm. So the problem is that some of the songs I'm writing end up becoming hybrids. It's like, is this congregational? This is actually maybe more devotional. Right. When it's like, dang it, I started writing this as a congregational song, and somehow it's become a devotional song. Have you ever had that kind of problem? Oh, uh, it's riddled with all of that. Uh, um, yeah, the that's that's where the collaborative piece is way more help. That's why we have publishers to get like, yeah, hey, really, this, this, and this are kind of outside the format. It's great to take one or two risks in a song but four or five is too many. Yeah. You know. Because um, at some point I had to just decide like, well, maybe I'm changing gears on this and it's just devotional now. You know, it's right. just like a Christian devotional type song. Yeah. 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 And you're, I think there is, um, you're both, you're trying to wear several hats in both creating, which means there's a blank slate and then editing which means this needs to hit target and then analyzing like does this target hit a format and sit in a in a body yeah. of work that people resonate with yeah so the often those are meant those are a lot of hats to wear not bad all necessary uh, but maybe not all in one person or at one time mm. you know that's can be the benefit of time to allow you to right. switch hats. How can someone get better at writing lyrics? Read great literature. Yeah. Um, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> yeah. Know. Totally. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, start getting in love with poetry. Um, Garrison Keillor, who's kind of out of fashion, does the Writer's Almanac, where it's a poem of the day. It's a great place to start, just to get uh, Mary Oliver um, collection of poems is awesome. Um, you know, there's there's a vast and you, and you kind of want you kind of want to get choosy. Like you should develop an opinion of people that you love and styles that you don't appreciate. Like mm -hmm. um, that's um, when you, you know, raise a child, the child is going to 
enjoy foods more certain foods more than other foods and that's because he's developing a taste and as a writer you want to develop a taste yeah for what you love and what you don't love that's good man are you pretty tough on your lyrics like when you're writing lyrics are you I, I I think we're honestly like if we had to put the analyzer hat on you know the newspapers written at a fifth grade level reading level and the top 10 songs on CCLI are might be at the fifth grade reading level um in a sense, we're writing kids' songs. Like, um, so it doesn't, you know, like a song like No Longer Slaves to Fear is profound, but it's simple, you know? That's, yeah. that's part of the beauty of it. And so um, I would be harder on the sense of redundancy, like we've already said that, and now you're just saying that again. Yeah. Um, but it does need to be to be simple. It can be. It, it's really good to be conversational. Um, and and the beauty of it is that there's always a story underneath the song, and the song never tells the whole story. Hmm. That's where art is subversive, and um, so it's really good to be deep but your depth should not be revealed to its fullest in one of your songs, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. What, how does, what does a worship leader do with a song once you've written one? I guess the question is like, how do you know when it's time to actually do something with it or play it live or record it? You know, I know there's a lot of songwriters out there who, you know, have a hundred songs that no one's ever heard before. Yep. But at some moment in time, they decide, I'm going to make a album. I'm going to record yeah. 10 of them. Mm -hmm. I guess when you're writing, like, what is the goal? Like, what is it like, okay, this is, I'm writing this for an album that I'm going to release next year. Mm. How does a worship leader know when to do something with their songs. Cause you could write and write and write, but then you just have a notebook full of songs that no one's ever heard. Totally. That's a great question. Um, I think again, we need like, we need a witness to our process. I think of like raising children, like your son or daughter loves to go out in the driveway and play and shoot baskets. And at what point do you say, I think we need to join a team because you kind of have a passion around this. I can sense it like pretty good at it, work at it. You're like, hmm. follow it on TV, you know? Um, and then once they get in a team, you start saying, wow, I, I think you're playing above the level of the competition or maybe you're you're playing below and we need to step down. You know, sports is a lot more objective <laughs> and easier to kind of 
defined than the songwriter. Um, but with your feet on the ground, knowing like I am a songwriter, like that feels like me. I'm a songwriter. Yeah. What do songwriters do? <laughs> they write songs. And then we take the next risk. And sometimes we don't always know what that next risk is and we need to ask for help. And someone who can come along and be like, hey, uh, that, dude, that happened to me. That's how I got started was I wrote songs in college that, and I think you may know some of the story, but I, I just wrote stream of conscious, like songs that I could honestly say, I'm not sure what this means. It wasn't a worship song. It was, but I just loved doing it. And I, I came alive doing it. And this guy that lived on my floor was like, what's it going to take for you to make a CD so that I don't have to walk down this hallway to your room? to hear you play these songs. He's like, I'm putting $300 in the pot. 300 bucks. And I went and made a CD. And about a year later, he had something in his hand that he could play. Yeah. Without me in the room. And it was just me and a piano. It was called You, the Piano, and Me. <laughs> That's the name of the record. And uh, so joyful, right? So simple. I think it cost me like twelve hundred bucks um, to get it recorded and to press a hundred copies, and I sold them out of my room. Mm -hmm. And that was the start. And I went, and from there, like I signed up for Battle of the Bands, and I went out and like started playing in coffee shops and. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you just do, one step does lead to another. Um, so making it available, literally, I mean, my daughter is like, Dad, let me show you the song. And it's some girl on like a Casio, like quantized Casio, piano, janky piano and vocal and she's like basically like um spoken wording yeah you know over this like four chord progression and my 14 year old daughter's like in she's yeah. in yeah we're making it far too complicated very often because we're like it's not hillsong yeah that's a really interesting thought. And so if I'm getting like personal on this one, I, you know, I've done a few albums, but the last one I did was in 2015 and I haven't done another one because I'm just like, I don't know if I have anything to really add to the noise, like, or like to the industry. It's not like I'm Hillsong. I'm not Bethel. Like all these people are doing it and they're doing a great job. Yeah. And my songs are definitely not, like an elevation kind of quality, right? I'm but scared I do, too. <laughs> but I do wonder, you know, like maybe it's way overthinking it and realizing that, you know, 
I do have something unique to bring, and it's going to impact somebody. Like, may, hopefully, you know, like maybe like just like that girl playing her Casio keyboard, you know, like I think we might overthink it a lot. Man, she hit my daughter between the eyes. That's for sure. Yeah. And I don't even know how my daughter found it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of art is it comes out and typically comes out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I was in college when my buddy pulled me into his car. I was like, listen to this. And it was the first Coldplay record. And I was like, yep. <laughs> it was like a testimony, you know? He was yep. sharing with me an experience. And I yep. still remember it. He had no idea what he was doing. Neither did Coldplay, honestly. They just did a record, right? Yep. So there's a beauty in not knowing what you're doing. And that's what we're trying to recover. Is right. this innocence and this surrendered place of like, yes, I will I will go with you. Will you come with me? Will you join me? Can you hear? Yeah. I think a lot of artists are afraid of rejection. It's almost like that feeling of what you were saying of like you know, chickening out of like not playing the song. And it's like, man, if I do an album, I'm really putting myself out there. But it's like, the reason we have community is to be held accountable for the words that we say. And very often we've been hurt by a community who, and so we don't, we don't want to keep offering our songs because we do, we get critiqued, we get, ugh. If it were all positive feedback, we'd be producing so much more, right? Or, or at least we'd be sharing so much more of what we produce. Mm -hmm. But it is scary. It's like, Man, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be passed over, minimized, like, oh, another MP from Anderson. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want ambivalence towards me. And that's maybe the sin of the community. So where are the people that aren't going to just be like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. Maybe I'm not listening to them enough when they're like, because I, I have one, a, a newer friend and it, he'd be like, wait, you wrote a song about that? Well, let me hear it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah? It's like, yeah. Like, wow. I want to be like you, bro. Hmm. I want to listen to people's stuff. Yeah. Because it comes from somewhere. It comes from the heart. It's worth It's worth a look. Yeah. It really is. So, maybe we're just hanging out with the wrong people. 
Right. Right. Well, man, I appreciate your heart for writing and I would encourage everybody who's watching this to check out Correct Community. Is it correctcommunity.com? Yep. Yeah, check it out for the next event. If you're a songwriter and you're looking for a space where you can just get away and go write music, correctcommunity.com. The events there. We actually did one in Chicago. That was fun. Yeah, bro. Man. So check out Correct Community. Also, Jared, I love your EP, your recent one. The whole oh, landscape. thanks, man. Thank you. I throw that on sometimes and just, oh, man, I enjoy it. I love Heaven Stands Up. It's such a good song. Oh, dude, thanks. I'm ready for another project from you, bro. Are you starting on it? No, I'm ready for a project from you. Oh, from me? Oh, yes. Man. We'll see. Come on, man. I, gotta get I will if you will. <laughs> All right. We could release them on the same date. Let's Bundle. do it. Bundle. <laughs> Maybe we should just do a joint one, McCoy and right. our new like band, two, two middle-aged white guys. <laughs> yeah, a two-disc set. Oh man, oh, Jared, awesome. good to see you, man. You Thanks too, for man. Us. Thanks for the time. Yep. Blessings, bro. Cheers. All right, such a good conversation with Jared. Really good thoughts there on worship songwriting, and um, I found it very personally challenging because it's something that I've been actually wanting to kind of jump back into is writing more music. That's how I spent most of my life before Leap Community and uh, I actually really want to jump back into songwriting. So these conversations are good because it's almost like I'm getting like my own like personal coaching session but I hope that uh, some of that was really helpful for you and whatever story you're in right now, what season you're in in life as a worship leader, as a worship songwriter. So as always if you guys have any questions, comments, also, whatever it is that you took away from this Loop Live interview, write it down in the comments now. We'd love to hear how this video, this interview, this conversation impacted you and your story. So write it down in the comments, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button to be notified of more conversations uh, that we're doing here at Loop Community on Loop Live, and we'll see you soon. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Couldn't do what we do without you. Let us know in the comments what you thought. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Follow us on Facebook, YouTube. Stay tuned. we got a bunch more stuff coming. Appreciate you guys. See ya.